Hey everyone, welcome to the Southside Church Podcast from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. We're praying that hope would rise in your life as you listen to this message today. In 64 AD, Rome burnt down. At least most of it did. And the historian Tacitus tells us why. See, Rome in 64 AD was led by a psychopath named Nero. And Nero had a plan. He wanted to tear down about one-third of the city of Rome and build in its place a series of villas, palaces, and gardens dedicated to himself. He was going to call it the Neropolis. Now, the Senate kind of dragged their feet in approving Nero's plan, and Nero didn't like being patient. So he came up with his own idea. He burnt down Rome to make room for the Neuropolis. He sent a group of people to light fires in those specific places where he wanted to build his new palaces and villas. And when citizens came to fight that fire, they were met with armed thugs, preventing them to stop the blaze. Tacitus further says that Nero sat up on a hillside while Rome burned and played his violin. So when the smoke cleared, literally and figuratively, Nero knew that You didn't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out that it was probably him that started the fire, but he didn't want to take the heat. So he found a group of people living in Rome that were frankly weird compared to the rest of the citizens. It was this little group called Christians. And while the rest of the people in Rome focused their lives on greed and grabbing whatever they could, this weird little group were about generosity and selflessness. They didn't fit in. While the rest of the people in Rome at that time were about seeking pleasure at any means, this little weird group of people called Christians were about self-control and faithfulness. They just didn't fit in. And so what Nero did was he arrested several Christians and he tortured them until they admitted, it was us. We burnt Rome down. And then Nero set out punishing these Christians, this weird little group of people in Rome, he punished them publicly. He would cover them with animal skin so that groups of dogs would rip them apart. He dipped them in pitch and he would light them on fire to uh, serve as lanterns for the gardens in the Neuropolis. Well, it was twofold the reason why he did that. Number one, he just wanted to continue to entertain the people of Rome. And number two, to warn them, do you really want to keep telling me that it's my fault because this is what happens to my enemies. So in 66 AD, the Apostle Paul gets arrested and thrown in prison in Rome. Now Paul's been in prison before in Caesarea, in Jerusalem, in Philippi, in Rome once before, but in 66 AD in Rome, controlled by Nero, it's different. When you are a Christian and you get thrown in prison in Rome in 66 AD, you're not getting out alive. And Paul knew that. So he was in prison for a number of months, and in 67 AD, he sits down and he writes the last letter that he will ever write. It was written to his best friend, a pastor named Timothy. And it's interesting when you think about it, because it is without doubt that Paul knew that these were among the last words that he was ever going to write. So he wanted to make sure that he included what's important, what's significant. What's priority to share in this last letter that I will ever write? And according to God's plan, this letter, the last letter ever written by the Apostle Paul, 
was placed in the New Testament of our Bible. It's known as the book of 2 Timothy. Now, I bring all of that up because it's March of 2022. And I have a lot of people with a lot of suggestions about what the next series at Southside should be. Most certainly, it should be about sex. It should be about marriage. It should be about politics, for sure. It should be about uh, the end times. It should be about dating. It should be about family. And I prayed and prayed about it, and I thought, I think it's going to be about 2 Timothy. And maybe you look at me right now and go, well, what's 2 Timothy about? Is it about sex, or is it about marriage? Is it about politics? Is it about the end times? What is it about? And my answer would be, yes. Yes, it is. All of the above. In March of 2022, I think we need to humbly submit ourselves to God. There's a passage in Isaiah 55 that says it so well. It says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. That's what we're looking for in March of 2022. So before we go any further, let's pray. God, it's amazing to me that the more things change, the more they stay the same. In 67 AD, when Paul wrote this letter, there was a psychopath named Nero in Europe, causing fear and death and heartbreak. In March of 2022, there's a psychopath in Europe causing death and fear and heartbreak. And I think it's important to note, Lord, we humbly confess to you that we know that Nero didn't take you by surprise and Putin didn't take you by surprise and COVID didn't take you by surprise and none of this takes you by surprise. And so whether we're watching online or in person right now, we come before you and we submit that even in a world that at times feels out of control, you're a God who is completely in control yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. We turn to your word today, Lord, and we know that it will bear fruit in our lives, in our families, in our cities, in our world. We thank you. We trust you. We pray that you would anoint this word, this series, that we would lean in, that we would humbly listen and hear and apply what you have. We thank you. In your name, amen. Amen, the last letter ever written by the Apostle Paul, knowing as he wrote it that these were the last words that he would ever write. Second Timothy chapter one, starting at verse one. I, Paul, am on special assignment for Christ, carrying out God's plan laid out in the message of life by Jesus. I write this to you, Timothy, the son I love so much. All the best from our God and Christ be yours. Every time I say your name in prayer, which is practically all the time, I thank God for you, the God I worship with my whole life in the tradition of my ancestors. I miss you a lot, especially when I remember that last tearful goodbye 
and I look forward to a joy-packed reunion. That precious memory triggers another, your honest faith, and what a rich faith it is, handed down from your grandma, Lois, to your mother, Eunice, and now to you. Paul says, I am on special assignment. And that's interesting, right? Because we all want to be on special assignment. So let's just start here. I have good news. God has a special assignment for you. You matter. You were created on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, by a God who does not make mistakes. You were placed on this planet for a reason. There is something unique about you. There is something important about you. You are anointed. You are gifted. You have a particular set of skills, as Liam Neeson says, and you're here for a reason. God has a special assignment for you. That's great news. Now, for the Apostle Paul, it was preaching the gospel all over the place and planting churches. Now, I don't know exactly what your special assignment is, but before we get to that, I think we should just back up a half a step, and let's talk about a general assignment that I know is true for every single one of us that follows Jesus. In fact, I would go so far as to say this. If you want to discover the special assignment that God has for your life, the only way you will ever get there is to step into the general assignment that he has for all of us. Does that make sense? In other words, you may not know what special assignment God has for you yet, but you do know the general assignment he has called all of us to. Jesus said it this way, they'll know that you follow me by your love. Love. That's your general assignment. Love. Have you ever heard this phrase? Preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. Preach the gospel with the way you love your spouse. Preach the gospel with the way you love your family. Preach the gospel with the way that you love your friends. Preach with your love. People will know that you are a follower of Jesus by your love. That is your general assignment. In order to step into that particular special assignment he has for you, embrace, run with the general assignment that you know that he's given all of us. Love. Jesus broke it down further through his life and through his teachings, right? So what exactly does love mean for you and me? Well, Jesus says this, as you follow me, you must understand this, that I didn't step into human history to be served, but to serve. Okay, okay, so we know that. We, I call this sometimes the upside-down reality of the open-handed life, that you are blessed more by serving than by being served. Amazing, amazing. So, so one of the ways that we can step into this general assignment that God has given you and given me is to love. How? By serving. Not primarily being a person that's about being served, but primarily being about a person that's looking around for a chance to say, hey, how can I help? Another way that Jesus talked about love was through generosity. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus said it this way, the way you give, it'll be given to you. The, the, the measure you use in giving to others will be, will be used to give to you. Give. Generosity, specifically at church, investing in the work that God is doing here. How do you love? Be primarily about giving and not getting. That's a general assignment that's true for every follower of Jesus. Kind of like Rome, though, right? This little group of weirdos that's all about giving and not getting. Amazing. And yet God promises that when we do that, we'll be blessed more by living a life of giving than we would, live a, than, than we would be by living a life where we're looking to get. 
Another thing that Jesus said in what is known as his great commission before he ascended into heaven, he said, go make disciples of all nations. So how do you love? Well, you serve and you give and you invite. You invite. You invite people to meet the Jesus who has changed your life so radically. You invite. You invite. You invite them to hear your story after you've listened to theirs. You, you invite them to attend church. You invite them to come to your small group. You invite. And one other thing that I want to talk about when it comes to being kind of known for love, embracing this general assignment of love on our lives, one more thing I want to bring up, and I know I've talked about this before, but it's really important to note that if Jesus wanted to save the world, save you and save me, he could have done it as like a, as, as, as like a lone pursuit. He could have showed up in history, done his thing and left, but he didn't. He came, he called 12 really close friends. And then you had Peter, James, and John, who were his three closest friends. And then his best friend, John. So in other words, how do you love? Well, you love by serving. You love by giving. You love by inviting. And you love by living in community, doing life together with others. See, I think for so many of us, man, we want to take hold of this special assignment that God has for us, you know? Like, I want to be unique. I want to be gifted. I want to be noticed. I want to make a difference in the world. I want to be known. I want to be a mad success. And here's what's crazy. I want all of those things for you. More importantly than that, God wants that for you too. Now, to be fair, maybe God's definition of success might be a little bit different than ours. But God wants all of that for you too. And you want to know how you get there? Because God says, hey, when you serve, when you give, when you invite, when you do life together in community, there's an expectation that as you step into obedience, you will be blessed. And one of the blessings that you will receive when you step into that general assignment is God will reveal to you your special assignment. He's not holding out on you. He's not going to trick you. You're not going to get to the end of your life going, man, I was supposed to be a hip-hop artist and it never happened for me. That's a daydream I have sometimes. I would like to be a hip-hop artist. I just don't think so. But, 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 but you know what I mean? Like God's not going to hold out on you that way. I bring that up because every once in a while someone will walk up to me. Someone who's been attending Southside for three, maybe four weeks, and they'll have a special assignment in mind. Hey, Mike, I got, I, got, I got this thing. It's huge, huge, huge ministry, Mike, huge. And I'll tell you what, I like you. I like you, Mike. I've been watching you three weeks, like you. I like what you got. So I got this thing. It's going to hit it big. I want you to know about it. It's massive. I want to give you the first, I want to get you into the ground floor, Mike. Here it is. It's massive. It's a ministry for owners of Chihuahuas, okay? It is incredible. It's incredible. And I look at them and I'm like, man, I don't know you. I've never even met your chihuahua. Like, this is kind of weird. But this is my special assignment. I want to embrace it. So I'll tell you what my first series of questions to anybody who comes to me with their special assignment, what do you think I'm going to ask them? Hey, how's the general assignment going? Are you serving at Southside Church? No. Okay. Are you giving? Do you give to Southside Church? You know we had 53 people baptized last week, right? We got new people. Yeah, we can celebrate that. Sure. We see new people showing up online and in person every single week. We see lives changing. We see history being shaped one life, one story at a time. So you're not serving and you're not giving. Okay, you're inviting anybody to church. No. 
Okay, okay. Are you doing life in community? Like, do you have a small group? Well, do you count me and my chihuahua? No, I don't count you and your dog, okay? I don't. I just, I just don't. Do you get it? And people like that often, that special assignment that they have in mind, you know what? It never happens because they never found a, I would call it this, they never found a foundation, a really simple, straightforward foundation. What is that love? Like God's not going to trick you. You want to be a success? You want to be unique? You want to make a difference? God wants that too. That's God's plan for you. So trust him enough to know that as you step into this general assignment called love, he will not hold out on you. I don't know what his, your special assignment is going to be. Maybe a preacher. Maybe a singer. Maybe, a t- maybe famous on TikTok. Maybe... Maybe a small group leader, maybe an entrepreneur. I have no idea, but God does. So when we trust him and step into that general assignment called love, man, we set that foundation to step into that special assignment that he has for us. And then Timothy goes on and he refers to, or sorry, Paul goes on, and he refers to Timothy over and over and over again in this, his last letter, as his son. And he's not really a son. But spiritually speaking, Paul says, Timothy, when I look at you, you're like my spiritual son. I love you that much. That's pretty important. When I look around the world today, I say there's kind of two basic types of relationships, two basic types of friendships. There's affinity-based friendships and family-based friendships, affinity-based Friendships and family-based friendships. Affinity-based friendships are just based on affinity. We work at the, play, at the same place, so we hang out. You like to wake surf, and I like to wake surf. You're a hip-hop artist, and I'm a hip-hop artist, and so we, we hang out, you know? Um, you like to binge-watch The Office, and I do too, so we hang out. You like Pokemon Go, so let's go, let's hang out, you know, what, whatever it is. The problem with affinity-based relationships, however, is that when the affinity ceases, the friendship ceases. So we don't work at the same place anymore, we don't see each other. We used to skateboard together all the time, and now just because you're 47 and had two hip replacements, you just don't like skateboarding anymore, so we don't hang out. We used to be single and hang out all the time, but then you went and got married, so we don't hang out anymore. You voted different than me, and so we're not friends. You disagreed with me on that issue, so that's that, isn't it? That's affinity-based friendships. Let me tell you something that you already know. We're family. Like when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the price for you and me to be adopted into God's family. God is your father. Jesus is your big brother. We're all brothers and sisters. Remember years and years ago, Corinne and I were hanging around with some dear friends, like really, really close friends. And I don't know why, we had known each other for years, hung out for years and years. We had never talked politics, ever. We talked a lot about ministry, prayed for each other, talked about other people we were trying to help, just did life together a lot, you know, but we had never talked about politics. And so on this one particular night, we start talking politics, and I'm like, Oh my, we are diametrically opposed on anything that you could think of, politically speaking. 
And I don't know what happened that night, but we must have been tired and grumpy, because for the next two hours, we were all of us, all four of us, we were mean, and we were angry. And I remember leaving their place, Karen and I got in the car, we didn't really even say much, we just drove home. And the guy texted me, and the text said, what just happened? And I answered him, I said, I don't know, but it'll never happen again. I'm so sorry, I love you. See, we're family, you know? It's like imagining my daughter Emma saying to my son Gabe, we, we disagree on this political thing, so you're not my brother anymore. That would be weird, it would be more than weird, it would be heartbreaking, wouldn't it? See, God's called us more to, uh, more to more than affinity-based relationships. He's called us to be family. That's weird. Could, could you imagine dividing or fracturing a, a family relationship over politics? So can we talk about politics for a second? I know you're all just dying to. You just want to hear me rile everybody up. So here goes. So let's just say one thing, first of all, something that, again, you already know. Politics are subjective, right? We all get that, right? Politics is the science of governing imperfect, broken people in an imperfect, broken world. So by very nature, politics must be subjective. Is that correct? We can all agree on that. Okay? And, and, and I can prove it to you. That's why you think a little bit differently or maybe very differently now than you did five years ago. So imagine, imagine taking this subjective thing called politics and fracturing a relationship over it. See, no, 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 no. Politics isn't subjective, Mike. There, there, there's perfect systems out there. In this imperfect, broken world governing imperfect, uh, broken people, there's some perfect system. Democracy, for example. Democracy is perfect. You know what, you're right, now that I think about it, democracy is perfect. As, lo as long as it never ever happens that a majority of people in a given culture were wrong about something? Would that ever, oh, it would happen. Okay, so I guess democracy isn't perfect. Oh, okay, a benevolent dictatorship is perfect. You know what, let's pick a nice lady or a nice guy and just say, hey, we'll do whatever you, you tell us to do. Well, that would be perfect, wouldn't it? Unless power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely, oh, then that's not perfect either. Okay, okay forget about that. Let's talk about finances. Uh, socialism is obviously perfect because socialism is all about sharing. So it must be perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Socialism is perfect as long as everybody will freely choose to share in every situation. Well, but they don't. Okay, so it's not perfect. Well, then capitalism is perfect. Capitalism is perfect. Yes, it is. Capitalism is perfect as long as everybody acts according to their own self-interest up to but never exceeding when their own self-interest would threaten the well-being or self-interest of another person or another family awaits. Are we tracking? What would be weird to me is if we took a subjective topic like politics and fractured relationships over it. Something that we very, very well might have changed our mind on in five years. You say, I'm never, ever gonna change my mind on this. Wow, okay. So what should we do then? I'm just trying to think.
Um, 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 um. Jesus said they'll know that we follow him according to what? What, what is it again? Oh, love, love. Okay, so then all you, all you do is just ask yourself, what, what does love require of you? It's really interesting. Paul says, Timothy, I pray for you constantly. Just pray for you all the time, Timothy. You say, well, yeah, he's in jail. What else is he gonna do, you know? Doesn't have a lot of, a lot of disposable time to do anything else. Well, no, he, there's other things he could do. He could wail and cry and whine. He could, he, he could start a chant in the prison, down with Nero, down with Nero, down with Nero, down with Nero, down with Nero. He could do that, but it says he didn't. What did he do? He wrote a letter to Timothy. He said, man, I've been praying for you. I really love you. I'm proud of you and I'm cheering you on, Timothy. So it got me thinking. Every once in a while I'll have somebody say to me, and I'm like, you gotta understand that Jesus said that if the world hated him, the world's gonna hate me too. And then they set about going out in their life almost looking like intentionally they're just trying to make as many people hate them as they can by being as combative as they can. I wanna just talk about that verse real quickly and then I'll wind this super enjoyable political talk up for you. Uh, that, 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 that passage, that's in John 15. When Jesus said, um, if the world hated me, it will hate you. That's in John 15. And so anytime someone quotes that to me as an excuse to be a jerk or to be combative or to write somebody off, I know they've never read John 15. Read it. John 15 starts out with Jesus saying this. As the Father has loved me, love one another. Remain in me, remain in my love. Remain in my love and love one another. A new command I give you, love, 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 love. And if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. So Jesus said, in other words, and this is so important, listen up. This is so important. Jesus said, if the world's gonna hate you, make sure they hate you for what? Make sure that it's religious people who hate you and they hate you because you love so radically. That's why. So I got an idea. Let's say you're like me and you're imperfect. And let's imagine that over this last two years, for some of us anyways, watching online or in person, you've got sideways with somebody. And you look back now, maybe like I did when I was driving home that night, and you think to yourself, what just happened? I got an idea, it's cool, you're gonna love this. Reach out to them today. Text them or call them, reach out to them. Just say, man, I, I have no idea what just happened, but it can't happen again. I love you, and I'm sorry. We're family. It's so weird because the people that I'm closest to in my life, the people that I'm closest to in my life, they are people who I've had to go back and say sorry for dumb things that I've done or dumb things that I've said. I'm a passionate person and I'm a verbal processor, okay? So I've had a lot of opportunity, right? But what's weird is I would say this, after the apology, I find that I'm closer to that person than I would have been if the offense never would have happened. Now that doesn't mean we go out being jerks just so that we can say sorry. I, I, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm just talking about right now this afternoon, you wanna know how revivals start? That's how. That's how revivals start, right? Love. MLK said it, darkness can't drive out darkness. 
Only light can do that. Hate can't drive out hate. Only love can do that. That's such a neat saying and so hard to do in March of 2022. So let's do it. Let's do it. Remain in his love. As you have been loved by Jesus, love your brothers and sisters. Love the world. Those who deserve it, and maybe especially those who don't. And Paul talks about Timothy's mom and Timothy's grandma. That's cool, right? Like Timothy's dad was not a follower of Jesus, but his mom was. And his grandma was. His grandma's name is Eunice, right? No, his mom is Eunice. I just think Eunice is a great grandma name. No offense to Timothy's mom, okay? It's a great mom name too, Eunice. Uh, but, but Paul talks about, hey, Timothy, I love that honest faith that was passed down to you from your mom and your grandma. I like that thought, honest faith. Honest faith. I don't know exactly what your family background was, but I hope you had somebody in your life that demonstrated honest faith to you. I know for me, I was about 11 or 12 years old when my mom and dad started following Jesus and they demonstrated honest faith to me. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that my kids grew up with a grandpa and grandma who demonstrated honest faith. Or maybe you say, well, I'm kind of the first one in my entire family tree to follow Jesus. How do I leave a legacy? How do I make an impact? Here's how, honest faith. Just honest faith. Say, well, what in the world is honest faith? Well, it's actually pretty simple. Just be who you say you are. Just, just be who you say you are. That's it. So if you say you're following Jesus, follow him. Now, someone with honest faith, it doesn't mean that you're never going to blow it. It doesn't mean that you're never going to be mean, that you're never going to be angry, that you're never going to be greedy, that you're never going to gossip, that you're never going to be selfish, that you're never going to be arrogant, that you're never going to be prideful. It doesn't mean that. What it does mean, that when you're following Jesus, what it means is when you blow it, when you blow it, you will have the humility to say, hey, I blew it, I'm sorry. Say sorry to the person you hurt. And by the way, did I mention that when you apologize, sometimes that relationship is stronger after the apology than it, than it would have been even before the offense? That's cool, right? And then you apologize to God. God, I, I wanna follow you. But every once in a while, man, like I just, I, I tripped and I stumbled and I'm sorry. Can you give me the strength to follow you just a little bit better tomorrow than I did today? Does that make sense? That's just honest faith. By the way, the world's not looking for perfect people. But the world is looking for some people who just are who they say they are. The world's looking for people with honest faith. See, because dishonest faith, well, it's, that's simple also. It's just people who aren't who they say they are. So much like people with honest faith, some with dishonest faith, um, they blow it. Greedy or selfish or arrogant or they gossip or whatever it is. But the difference with someone who has dishonest faith is they meant to. (laughs) They ain't sorry. That was a plan. Something real powerful in Psalm chapter 19, King David wrote this. God, keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free of guilt and innocent of great sin. You want to know why there's so many people around the world today that have such a bad taste in their mouth about church? 
it's not because they're looking for perfect people. Not at all. It's just they've been, they, they, they've bumped into too many people who said they were one thing and, and, and they weren't. That's why. And I just feel so assured about that. God's not looking for perfection from you. God's not looking for perfection from me. Just looking for honest faith. So I want to take a moment now. I'm going to, you're going to see a little bit of this throughout the course of this series. I want to ask you to take a moment in quiet reflection, each one of us right now, if you don't mind, whether you're online or in person, if you could just bow your head and close your eyes just for a second. And I got a real simple question for you. What's God saying to you today? Isn't it amazing that the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words in 67 AD from a Roman prison? And yet they're incredibly applicable to us in March of 2022. How are you doing with your general assignment? When people look at you and people talk to you and people associate with you or maybe even stumble across your social media, is the one thing that comes to their mind more than anything else, love? people in your life maybe over the last two years maybe over the last two days things have just kind of gone sideways and maybe God is bringing a name or some names into your mind right now you just got to reach out and how amazing is that going to be Maybe you're a little bit like me. I remember a few days ago, I've been listening to these Lent devotions. It's pretty funny listening because it's my wife, Corinne, saying them. It's like I don't hear her voice enough, right? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. But she quoted Tozer when he said, God, I want to want you more. So maybe you're a little bit like me and you think about having honest faith. Maybe you're just coming before God right now saying, God, I... I'm there, I'm mostly there, but I just pray that you would give me the strength to be who I say I am, that's all. To be who I say I am for my kids, for my friends, for my city. And now just as I close, I wanna go back to John 15. Jesus says this, you need to love each other, you know? And the way you do that, by the way, is you remain in my love. So I just wanna go back there and remind you that if you're here today, online or in person, and maybe you've never come to a point in your life when you realize how much God loves you, 
Well, I wanna tell you that right now. He loves you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, that Jesus died on the cross for you so that your sins could be forgiven today, tomorrow, and forever. Their hurts could be healed. That he would give you the strength to live, to live, to really live into your general assignment, into your special assignment today, tomorrow, and forever. So if you're online or in person right now, I just want you to know that. He's the source of all of it. So if you've never accepted that gift that Jesus purchased through his death and resurrection, with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, can you just raise your hand up nice and high right now so I can pray for you? Yeah, and if you're online, same thing. If you're comfortable doing so, wherever you're at when you watch this, listen to this. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. You can put your hands down. Those of you who just raised your hand online or in person, I'm gonna pray out loud and I just pray that you would, or ask that you would pray quietly along with me. So dear Jesus, thank you. Thank you that I stand here in March of 2022 realizing that even when the world feels out of control, you are completely in control and I'm so thankful. So today, Jesus, I invite you to be my savior when you died on the cross, it meant that I don't have to carry around the baggage and the regret and the sin and the shame anymore. I give it to you and I walk away. Today, Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord, to give me the strength to have an honest faith, an honest faith, one that will compel the people around me that I would walk with you today, tomorrow, and forever. I thank you. I pray this in your name. And God, for all of us, I. I'm so thankful for this series that we're starting today, for this letter that you placed in our Bible, the last words of the Apostle Paul. God, I pray that you would breathe life into them for each one of us, whether we be going to church for 40 years or this is our first day. God, I just pray that you would bring life through your word to us, as you always do. I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. Let's celebrate, church. If you just raised your hand online or in person, just ask you to do me one quick favor. Please text the keyword LIFE, L-I-F-E, to 604-670-3040. Why? Because we do life together around here. We help each other. And I want to remind you again, <clears throat> again, online or in person, next week's a big week. Next week's a big week. Invite everyone you know because we're going to be talking about one of the most important verses in the entire Bible for March of 2022, it says this, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but he gave you power, love, and a sound mind. Whew, I can't wait. I love you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And to stay up to date with all things Southside, follow at Southside underscore church on Instagram. We love you guys. The best is yet to come.